0: Good morning,
1: K okay, Man. Oh my gosh, it is. Is it Friday? Oh, I can't even believe it. It is Friday, <laughs> November the 20th. Um, wow, this week went by fast, the month went by fast, and I dare say the entire year has gone by fast. It's just like, whoa, what on earth? Olivia, good morning. Um, My poor right eye is doing something really weird. I don't know if you guys can see this, but I almost have like an indentation mark in my eye. I just noticed it this morning. Do you see that? Isn't that weird? Um, So I think I need to go to the eye doctor and just see what is going on. Um, You can even kind of see something going on, even though my eye is like fully opened. I've been noticing for like maybe the last week, I have had... um, a little bit of like, I would be like normal, and I could feel my eyelid um, involuntarily. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a reaction, like a a flutter? Is that what you'd call it? You know, sometimes you get like your muscles kind of move. What is that word? I can't even think of the word right now. But yeah, I've been having that happen. I've noticed a couple times. And then this morning, it looks like there's a little indentation mark in there. So I've just messaged someone to say, hey, I think I need to get in to see the eye doctor ASAP to see exactly what is going on. Atlas said he had a question last night when he fell asleep and totally forgot about it. Marshall, good morning. Good morning, Joy. Hi, Morna. Good morning to Ervalyn. Irvine says it's a wet Friday, and indeed it is, folks. It is uh, very wet out there. Um, Yeah, so have you guys had this happen to your eye before? Let me know because it is a little bit weird. You know, sometimes the body does does things, and you don't know um, how seriously um, you take it. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Yes, it's like jumping. It's like um, sometimes you have it like with your shoulder, other muscles just involuntarily moving. So Irvlyn says, um, you're going to see something you haven't seen in years, as we would say in Jamaica. Yeah, well, it's not jumping right now. It has been jumping before, like during the week and stuff. Maybe for the last week I've noticed it a couple times. But today I've noticed it looking kind of like weird. So I've not put anything on my eye, just put in some eye drops. And um, yeah, I think, you know what Atlas? I was kind of wondering that um, because I really have not been getting enough sleep. I don't feel like this week at all. And I think I do feel like it could be just lack of sleep. And maybe I can just put like a warm compress on it, and that'll probably help. So I'll um I'll see if there's anything twitches. That's the word I was looking for. It's just involuntarily, involuntarily twitches. Um, but I do kind of feel like it probably is just lack of sleep, and I just probably need more sleep. And um, yeah. Um. So Crystal says it's happened to her before. Lack of sleep. Yes, Nicole, I should go to my bed when nighttime comes. Uh, I was up late last night again working on um, the story for San Andres, um, Providencia, and Santa Catalina. Um, Total devastation, really, in those countries almost. 98% of the buildings, are destroyed in Providence in particular, and um, you know it's just now time for everyone to assist. There is a military plane coming to Cayman, and uh, on Saturday, which is tomorrow, to try to collect some supplies. This is the Columbia military and some assistance for the people there. Um, so Ethel says, good morning. Good morning to you. Janelle says, use a cold compress, not warm. Also could be lack of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's not, you know, sometimes you get those, what do you call those things in your eyes, or whatever, but I don't see anything else. Looks like it's developing. So, um, cold compress. Okay. hmm I can do that. Um, yeah, like literally, I just had an eye appointment the other day and everything was fine, but gosh, you never know. When you reach a certain age, you feel like things can start to fall apart day by day. You know what I mean? So, um, the military plane is coming and, um, you can meet this evening at the airport park at 7 p.m. If you are interested in uh, being part of the volunteer effort to help these persons rebuild, they're looking for any and everything from building materials and supplies um, <clears throat> to, you know, um, uh, clothing uh, products for women. Um, what else? Um, I know the Red Cross is in the area, and they're trying to assist as much as possible. And um, they have galvanized their efforts there to really, you know, see how they can help. This This has been a devastating situation for the region. Uh, Nicaragua and Honduras, of course, got hit not once, but twice in basically less than two weeks. And so you see that most of the structures um, in these areas were a lot of wooden structures because you see a lot of wood on the ground. But needless to say, um, they are, uh, it's just gone they're flattened I saw one or two structures like this because there were some concrete elements to it like you see the frame is still there but pretty much you know everything else is gone so um, it's just unbelievable that some people will unfortunately because they've lost their homes there's about I understand 6,000 people in Providence and they will be trying to live in conditions like this now just to have a semi-roof over their heads. And um, the hospital there has been completely destroyed. So there's an issue of uh, injured persons receiving medical attention. The president of Colombia did arrive on the island um, almost immediately after he could to ascertain how bad the damage is. And it's pretty bad folks, it really is pretty bad. And his um, military plane that went in there did take some um, initial supplies and I guess what they could take at this point. Now there's a call for everything from Cayman from building supplies to everything. But I mean, I don't know um, how the government there operates in terms of, um, like, I mean, there's a lot of debris there that needs to be cleared away. I mean, look at all these polls. Uh, They're saying if workers from Cayman want to go there to help in the rebuilding um, of the island, I believe, and you can certainly get more information this evening at the meeting, but I do believe that, um, there are a number of restrictions. So you better check into that first. You can't just jump in a plane right now and go to Providence, right? You have to make sure that you're aware, um, of what the restrictions are so that you can, um, be in full compliance with whatever their requirements might be at this particular time. So like, you know, I think they're only allowing their citizens back. But yes, I mean, a lot of people may want to go and assist in the rebuilding efforts. I always say, you know, try to ascertain what the need is so that you don't go there and create more of a hindrance to people trying to recover than um, perhaps actually helping in their efforts. So um, that is what the predicament is there. Unfortunately, it's not a good situation, folks. It's definitely not a good situation. Um, We've done an article on the website, please check it out, Um, trying to capture the essence of what is happening there. Uh, Mr. McKeever Bush, who's Speaker of the House, is assisting the community. He has offered his office um, as a spot for uh, people to. I um, apologize. He has offered his office as a spot for people to meet for the Nicaragua group who are now trying to get there. Um, you know, situation sorted out. And then there's also um, the San Andres, like I said, the Colombian group, um, who are likewise trying to organize themselves. And that group will be meeting at the um, airport park tonight at 7 p.m. So uh, please, you know, help out in any way that you can, because the help is definitely very much needed and there's some contact details I'm going to post the article link here shortly there are some contact details for anyone who is interested in finding out more about how they can help Um, I'm sure the Cayman Islands Red Cross can put you as well in contact with individuals um, on the ground there I know for example in Providence there's little to no communication Available at this time, but they can put you in contact with um, the Red Cross there, and they have a phone, one satellite phone that they have been allowing people to use, and so um, just to make contact with their family members, so that they can now you know ascertain what's going on, um, but the situation is is pretty it's pretty bad. So I do believe that, um, you know, they will need as much help as they can get, folks. So far this hurricane season, we've been fortunate. I was reading some article the other day talking about the fact that the hurricane season could go into January this year, be extended into January, which I think is is a phenomenal situation. Um, it's just like really. Aye, aye, aye. Um. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um Janelle, yes, Brandon, uh, Gina, good morning. Good morning, Wanda. Um, Yes, girl. The situation there is no bueno. Not good. Um, We are asking everyone who can assist. I I know right now it's like there's so much need and um, everyone is asking, you know, we've got Nicaragua, we've got Honduras, we've got San Andres, and the three Colombian islands, three Caribbean islands. Um, This is the first time, as I've said before, that any part of Colombia has been hit by a Category 5 storm. And it is the worst storm to have hit uh, Colombia, generally speaking, but definitely these islands as well. So um, there's great need around the world. The Filipino community was also um, in a situation where um, you know, they were hit by a super typhoon first and then a typhoon, it was just like, whoa, the entire world is in a bit of a tipsy-turvy. But you know, we still have so much to be thankful for. If you missed last night's show, folks, um, I would encourage you to go back and um, certainly have a look at the program. Because you'll get an idea of our own issues that we're facing, including the fact that we have, um, you know, children who seem to be having some behavioral issues in our school. Now, I am very much aware that a lot of those kids were on the live stream last night and they were commenting and they were, um, I I didn't really have time to read the comments, to be honest, but. I am aware that they were saying the most rude things. Um, some of those kids are kids that I know for a factor in the girl's home and um, they have been, uh, you know, running away from the girl's home. So obviously they come from difficult environments to begin with and they are struggling and now they're starting to take that struggle into the school. And I say, listen, if you have 10 children that are causing the bulk of the issues um, at John Gray or any other school for that matter, remove those children from the school. They should not have the privilege of being in our educational system and ruining the experience for every other child. And I do not believe that the vast majority of children are, um, are, ba- are bad children or the ones who are going around fighting. Uh, so what I would suggest, honestly, is I- I've made some suggestions already last night, and I think that, you know, the ministry could certainly look into those, the school administrators. But... Um, One of the things I guess I didn't say last night is I also believe that if it comes down to it, well, I did say it in a roundabout way because you should suspend those kids. But these are some concrete suggestions that were made um, last night. Crystal said that she enjoyed the show. She sent the video to a couple of her friends to spread the word. Um, It's quite a serious situation when kids are telling you that they were upwards of 15, 20, 27 fights. Um, so the first thing I suggested, no phones in the schools, um, implement an immediate no phone policy. Uh, anyone who brings a school to a phone to school will have it confiscated by security at the gate and, uh, you'll be given a warning and then suspension would be next on the list. Um, because part of what appears to be happening is the children uh, do seem to, to want to um, tape it because they want the notoriety or the attention that goes with it going out there in social media. So nip that aspect of it in the bud. Um, Anyone caught instigating or starting a fight should be suspended from school and offered counseling because clearly they're having some sort of issue. Um, Police should follow up with criminal prosecutions, you know, especially when these kids are habitual offenders, they need to understand that, yes, you might only be, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, but your actions already have consequences. And there are things that you can do that will land you in a juvenile detention center. Of course, we know here in the Cayman Islands, one of the major issues that we have is that we don't have a juvenile detention center because our subsequent governments um, throughout the years have failed us in this regard. And so, you know, our children instead um, are having to be placed in an adult facility, which is not beneficial to them because all ends up happening is that they learn how to be better criminals sometimes from these adults that they're surrounded by. So that is not the environment and what they end up doing is putting them in, I guess, Kay's foundation care, which is the Francis Bodden or the Bonaventure home, and um, from the things that we've heard and seen about those establishments, they are also not running to optimal um, efficiency and being ran by staff who um, seem to just be there for the paycheck and care very little about the children. So, um, you know, there's there are a lot of concerns in that area as well. You know, we need to have the um, processes in place to be able to help our children. And if we don't have them in place and then we start to have outbreaks of situations like this, the question becomes, how can we expect any better? Like seriously. So um, suspension, criminal prosecutions, um, the parents have to be held accountable. I suggested having an immediate uh, emergency meeting with all students and parents to get the issues on the table. What is it that's going on? Is this truly just a situation of a handful of kids uh, causing the problems? And if so, um, remove those kids from the environment. Like I said, they should not have that privilege. Um, I believe that all children should be given the benefit of conflict resolution and mediation classes, communication classes, I don't know other than the traditional, you know, subjects what else they are being given, but learning how to communicate with each other, how to resolve conflict, how to, um, you know, mediate a situation. In my mind, that should all be part of growing up. That should be part of the curriculum. Uh, you know, someone says something about you. What do you do about it? What are the steps that you take? Uh, almost like a miniature anti-bullying school, uh, anti-bullying program should be introduced as part of the normal curriculum. And if it isn't there, and obviously I'm not personally in government school, um, so I can't speak directly to their curriculum, but based on the actions and the behavior, I doubt that that it is available. Um, I think that it should be available for all students. It should be like, you know, any other, you're taking math, you're taking English, um, you take courses, that allow you to um, be a better human being. You know, the soft skills, the, um, uh, what do we call them? The um, emotional intelligence component of who we are, of our lives makes us as equally or sometimes even more important than the um, academic intelligence. So you can have good grades even, you can do academically well, but if you do not have the ability to communicate in this world and to resolve conflict, um, you may as well not even have that degree or that piece of paper because you will not function very well in whatever work environment that you have to go into. And this is a God's honest truth. You know, We have all been in situations in our workplace, in our homes and in the community where yes, the benefit of knowing how to maneuver uh, a situation, how to talk your way through something has been immensely important and probably has saved us from so many uh, different ordeals in life. So I think that that is uh, extremely important. So I hope that there's some takeaways from last night and I appreciate those of you who tuned in. I must say that the young people on Instagram were there and I get that a lot of them are always like, you know, they think it's a joke. And again, you'd be surprised how many are actually listening but because their friends are also watching, they feel the need to um, show out. You know, it's, it's it's a thing. Uh, they get points, I guess, brownie points amongst their friends for pretending to be a badass, and most of them really are not. Most of them are crying out for help. Um, so Crystal says, I wish Carnival was still here, having a place where children could go get out of the toxic homes and have fun. Um, I don't know that that's their real issue in terms of, you know, just the Carnival is going to fix it. I think what is happening with our young people, Crystal, to be honest, is... Um, they're going through some severe issues that, for whatever reason, we have, um, you know, just not done a very good job of helping them navigate those issues. So, a lot of these children have grown up in homes where they have been abused, uh, they grew up in toxic environments, they grew up with parents who. Um, are unaware of um, how to help them. And they are, in fact, doing things themselves that, you know, have caused great harm to their their children and their families. And, you know, some parents just don't know any better. It's a multi-generational issue. And if you don't know any better, then it's hard for you to do any better sometimes. Um, So we need to start focusing more on programs for uh, families that that need it, and I think every family needs um, some sort of help from time to time. We need to start um, really trying to um, make a point of um, giving them the resources that they need on a regular and continuous basis. And it should be mandatory. Like, I've never understood why You know, we could offer financial assistance to family. So we offer NAU assistance, for example. And we do not offer mandatory counseling, mandatory uh, parenting classes that should go along with that NAU assistance. So, yes, you need government assistance to help you find an apartment, pay for an apartment and all these other things. Then you have to enroll in other programs as well compulsory for you to get that financial assistance. Why not? You know, so um, we're gonna pay for your housing. We're gonna give you food vouchers. We're also gonna sign you up for budgeting classes so that you have an idea of how to budget your money. Um, You have to, just like, they sort of tell them that they have to sign up for, um, what's it called? They have to sign up for um, works, right, the job portal. That's fine, but you should be doing more than that. So not only do you sign up for the jobs portal, but we want to see you going on in interviews, applying for jobs, um, you know, feedback and from the interviewers, why you didn't get the job, what the issues are. There's some people who are, some months ago we featured a young lady, can't remember her name right now, but she was going around begging for a baby that didn't exist. apparently she would then take the clothes and like sell them and this is something she's been doing for like 15 and 20 years so she has been using or abusing the system and um you know quite unfortunately uh for her a lot of people were aware of it in this instance it really kind of blew up spectacularly in her face because she uses all sorts of creative lies to get that money well, I've heard of this young lady going to interviews at different places, camary ways in different places, and actually doing really well at the first stage, and then it appears that she's purposely failing or funking the um, test at the second stage so that she doesn't get the job, because she doesn't actually want to work. She's become so used f- of begging and getting handouts from people that that has become the norm for her. And so her norm is now, you know, it's easier for me to beg. It's easier for me to um, get a handout from others and um, that that's okay. And you know, <laughs> the result of that kind of behavior being ingrained in her head for so long um, is that that's her job. That's what she does for a living. And so we need to reverse, I think, that sort of a situation. And we do that by making it mandatory for people to get into these programs Especially when they they are in government assistance, I have always been a proponent that have said, "Listen, if you can get on government assistance, you should not be having any more children whilst you're in government assistance because obviously you're already struggling." So I know a lot of you are not going to be comfortable with this idea, but mandatory birth control should also be a requirement if you are on government assistance. Yes, I said it. I have said it before, and I'm going to say it again. If you are an NAU client, you should be forced to take a um, long-term birth control solution. Um, because, you know, you're already coming to us, the people, the government, to pay for your bills. Fine whatever. Um, but now you should not be having the luxury of having any more children whilst you're in government assistance. And I've seen too many times where that has happened. Someone is out there, um, trying to, you know, uh, get government to pay for everything. And and then they're laying down on their backs, having more children. No, that shouldn't be the case. You go to the women's clinic at the hospital. And you're forced to take a shot or whatever, the pill is a little bit hit or miss because you're relying on that individual to take that every single day. So it either has to be an implant that you get, your tubes tied. Let me be serious now. If you've already got three, four children, your 20s and your 20s, you don't need any more children. You can't afford any more children. You can't afford the three or four that you have. So whilst government can't force you to do these things, what they can say is if you're interested in government paying for these things, um, then you have this option that you're being given that comes tied into uh, the public assistance. You know, you go to the bank and you say, oh, Mr. Bank, I wanna borrow your money. Mr. Banker, I want a loan. The bank says, oh yeah, sure. Here's a list of requirements you got to do this, 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 and this. You've got to give us this piece of collateral. You've got to come out with this amount as a down payment. You don't get to negotiate with the bank and say, well, you know, I just want your money and I'm not going to do any of those things. That's not quite how that works. So government, start thinking a little bit out of the box here. Um, And, you know, make that a requirement. The other thing is, People often do not appreciate when they have to get something for um, when they get something for nothing, they don't appreciate the value of it. So some of these NAU clients may not be able to get jobs with, um, you know, third party uh, companies. So independent companies, however, there is a lot that government can do to put them to work. Hmm. So why can we not, right? Um, have government, um, you know how we do the nice cleanup program. We have people out there on the roads cleaning up and whatever we have to pay those people. And a lot of those people sometimes are NAU clients. So they're getting work from government plus their NAU clients. So it's kind of like, I don't really want to say double dipping, but they are getting additional money from government. So why then can we not during normal circumstances, put some of those individuals to work within the government system to earn the nau money that you're getting so not that you'd be earning an additional salary but you're earning the nau money because you see here's the thing that some people do not appreciate that nau money does not come out of thin air so you know that money is not something that just poof, falls out that is money that all of us are contributing to the system by way of taxation and other things. So yes, I'm an advocate for making you earn your money. And we can be creative in terms of how we do that. Um, it doesn't always have to be out there pulling weed and cleaning the streets. It could be um, working within you know, the hospital system, working within um, the schools. Uh, there's so many different things, so many different places that you can position people within the community where they can be of um, a benefit to these islands and really get to earn their keep up to a large extent. So um, that's you know one of the things that I would say is incredibly uh, useful. And we just need to get it done. Like there has to be some brain that works for government, some chief officer that can take this idea that I'm giving you now for free, and implement this program. I mean, my God, it can't be that challenging. It can't be that difficult. You know, we, we just need to get it done. Like I don't I don't get and understand the, um, the way that we tend to overcomplicate everything. And we never want to think about the solutions that are available to us here in this country. There is a solution right there. Free of charge, government, take it run with it. Um, If you need any help coming up with program ideas, I will even volunteer my time to help you. Okay. I would never get a job as a chief officer in government, mind you. Um, But I am more than happy um, to assist you guys with some of these things. Because believe it or not, there are those of us who actually do have a master's degree in public administration, which is public administration is how governments work and operate you know I could give you some help government and uh, I would be more than willing to do that no cost free and I just said nothing in life is free but I'd be willing to give you that for free Um, some of the other suggestions from last night's program uh included obviously increased security and police presence at the school Um, holding the parents accountable for their children. There's a novel idea. Parents, uh, you're to blame for your kids from day one, raising them like little hooligans and allowing them to get away with the most. Um, But sometimes I think, like I said, the parents themselves don't know any better. So it's kind of like how violence begets violence. Ignorance begets ignorance. And if your children are living in homes where they see violence, where they are part of, um, you know, this continual thought process where violence is the norm for them, Uh, whether they are verbally abused, physically abused, sexually abused, all of those things take an immense toll on our children and their livelihoods and the way that they will respond um, to situations. So... um, Tabitha says there's nothing to do in Cayman. It's a bar or club. Um, I mean, I don't personally agree with that, Tabitha. I do think that there are things to do all the time. Uh, You may have to pay for them. They may not always be free, Uh, but there are activities like this past weekend, there was an opening at the gallery, at the National Gallery of an artist who's using recycled material to create beautiful art. Folks, you've got to think about different things that you can um yes brandon i think cayman could do with a scared straight um ci edition as well but there are things that you can get involved with in terms of your families and your children but you have to be creative and go out there looking for them and i often find that with caymanians a lot of times you know we are like oh you know um we kind of think to ourselves, oh, well, that that's for expats, that's not for me, that's for white people, that's for this. No, 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 there's no such thing. Expose your children, folks, to art. Expose them to, I mean, some of the most brilliant artists in this country, and I would say probably the world, are Caymanians, you know what I'm saying? Look at Gordon Solomon, he is amazing. The other day he did a live stream of him working on a new painting. It is so beautiful. And he's in that artistic space. We have the chalets that are creative and artists. And, you know, folks, start exposing your children to more than whatever foolishness you think you can expose them to. So if you only think that there's only the nightclubs and the bars and you only want to expose them to that, I'm not a nightclub or bar person. And I have a full calendar all the time. And I have stuff to do. And now that I have a daughter, I have to find things to engage her in, right? And trust me, when you expose your children to these things, you'd be surprised how they take it in. So my daughter started a new school recently. She is in a private daycare facility. And, you know, she's coming home talking about Mommy, can you please sign me up for yoga? I want to do yoga at school. And I said, sure, honey. Um, no problem. When she sits down now and she watches her little YouTube videos, she actually wants to watch yoga. And there's like children yoga videos and they teach them the different little like downward dog moves and different little fun things that is age appropriate for a toddler. Right. So she's interested in learning about these things. It doesn't always have to be um, the traditional Caribbean, whatever that means, stuff that we feel like, okay, if we're not in church, there's nothing else to do. If we're not in a bar, there's nothing else to do. There's a lot of things to do in this community. And as parents, we need to find them. So if she wants to do dance and ballet and she wants to do karate and all these other things. Yes, my dear, I mean, no, it costs money and we will have to find the money, okay? Um, But there are also a lot of free things to do, taking your children to the park, letting them explore as toddlers, they love to go exploring. So her dad takes her to the park all the time because she loves to look at um, seashells, she likes to collect them, she's into soldier crabs. Lord, she loves a soldier crab, can I just tell you? Um, you know, but from a very young age, start to expose your children to let them know that there are fun things that you can do. You can just go out there and enjoy nature, take a nature trail, go for a nature walk. So if we psychologically put barriers up and we keep saying, oh, there's nothing to do in Cayman, there's nothing to do. That's what you will believe. Uh, I'm in two groups on Facebook, the Real Women of Cayman and the KY Mommies, which used to be K moms. And both of those groups on a regular basis uh, post a lot of stuff that um, children can get involved in. So lots of programs, like I said, some come at a cost, some are free. And yes, I do think that uh, government could probably do a better job of putting on more functions And also advertising when they do put things on. The National Museum has events all the time and nobody seems to know anything about it. You know, I'm always shocked that when I go to an event, how few Caymanians I actually see out and about at these things. Make your children go to the Humane Society. They're always in need, folks. Have them go to the Humane Society and, um, you know, contribute their time there. Walk a dog. So maybe you don't want the headache of owning a dog, but uh, walk a dog and um, get involved in those types of organizations. Lots for children to do right here in the Cayman Islands. Irvlyn said it's called peer pressure. So let me tell you guys about a little program that I did way back when I was in high school talking about peer pressure. And again, this is a responsibility of school administrators. They get paid a ton of money to be able to come up with these ideas and implement these ideas, right? Peer pressure can work in the opposite direction, folks. Facts. Hashtag facts. I was involved in high school in what was called a peer counseling program. So as a teen that was considered you know, relatively well-behaved, I had good grades, I was in honors classes, AP classes, whatever. Um I was one of the teen one of the peer counselors, right? So they gave you a miniature training course on how to counsel other teens. It's not like you're a professional now, so let's be clear. And kids could then um if they were having an issue, they could decide to come to another peer because you guys know, it's easier for kids to talk to each other, which they're all doing anyway, than to them than for them to go and talk to an adult. So if you have them talking to the right kind of teens and not teens who are ignorant and don't know what they're telling them, gonna give them bad advice and encourage them to get into badness. If you have a cohort of um, teens who are uh, trained and on the right path and available to help their other peers, even if it's just a listening ear. So what we do is once per week, we were assigned um, one or two people and once per week we would meet with those individuals and just sit down and talk. And they would, you know, tell me what was going on in their lives, what was happening at home. If they were struggling with certain things, of course there'd be a legal obligation on a child even that if someone said I'm being abused in my home, then you have to report those things. Um, But if it was like, you know, my friends are bullying me, you know, what do I do? Um, I'm having, you know, some issues in this class. And the team, the peer counselor was given guidance notes on how to direct those kids to available resources. Folks, I'm in my 40s. And there were programs when I was in high school. So, you know, this is well over what I graduated high school at age 17. So this was a long time ago. You do the math. And there are programs then in the States, because as you know, I grew up primarily in the States, there are programs there that would help you with homework. There was a homework line. So I could call an 800 number because my aunt was a little bit older. So a lot of times she was not always equipped to help me with my homework. During the hours of, you know, you get off of school like at three o'clock. By the time I got home and had my snack and whatever, it was like five o'clock and then maybe five to seven, I'm doing homework. If I needed help, there was an 800 number, that I could call and I could call that number and say, okay, I'm working on my algebra homework and I have no idea what this question is. They had different people. So they had a math expert, English, social studies, social, whatever, different subjects. And then they would pass you through to that individual. And that person was sitting there waiting and taking phone calls and they would help you with your homework. So if you said, okay, it says x plus y equals, you know, um, x plus fifty equals twenty-five, and um, what is x? And I don't even know how to work my brain around this. That person say, okay, these are the steps that you need to take. They're not going to just give you the answer. They're going to walk you through how do you figure it out. This is what you need to do. And I cannot believe I've always wondered why don't we have something like that in Keyman. These things are simple to implement, folks. Who's the education minister, Juliana O'Connor Connolly? Please pay attention. These things are the easiest things in the world to figure out. In fact, let me clue you in and how easy of a fix this is. Right. Thank you, Ruby, listening from Florida. Um, Crystal, the mentoring program and the peer counseling program can actually be very much um merged into one. So here's how easy of a fix this is, folks. We don't have the resources in Cayman um, to set that up. This is what they're going to tell you. Oh, we don't have a lot of math experts who can sit down, tutor kids. Hmm. What world do we live in, folks? This is 2020. It is the 21st century. You know what you could do? Free advice here, folks. I'm giving it to you. I've got lots of ideas that are easy to implement. You utilize Zoom, Skype, whatever the heck you want to call it, patch into those available resources overseas because they are free in America, right? So even if you have to sign up Caymanian Children to have access to those databases and those resources for a small fee, you do so, and now they can link in via Zoom. They can get help, work, homework help via Zoom. So they'll have a Zoom group or Zoom number that they can tap into and call for help and someone who can help them with their homework. You have a child that needs to talk to someone, okay? They can uh, tap into counseling because they don't want to talk to anybody in Cayman, They can tap into counseling services via Zoom, or they can call someone at a toll-free number overseas who can talk to them, a qualified professional who can offer guidance to your children. Why are these things not available? Brandon says, Cayman Learning Center was amazing when I used to take on tutoring. So are they not around anymore? Flashpoint said, didn't a recent um, report conclude that our educational system is failing? Let me tell you something, Flashpoint. No one could say that any of that was recent because we have been failing for a very long time. And we have known that we're failing for a very long time. I think the last report that they have, there were some marginal improvements. And, um, you know, those marginal improvements are being... Oh, let's give ourselves a pat on the back. There are baby sing-along classes from day one, sometimes offered for free. I used to take my daughter to the one at Kimata Bay that was in the bookstore. It was no cost. And, you know, Miss Isadora, um, what's Izzy's last name, Uh, Ferrero, she does these classes all the time. Now, sometimes there is an associated fee. And other times, like I said, at a uh, book, um, what's the bookstore came baby? Um Whatever it's called. Can't remember right now. The classes were free on Saturday mornings. And every single Saturday morning, I would take my daughter because little Gigi loves to sing and dance and whatever. And I would take her to these classes. And lo and behold, I would take a look around me. And the few Caymanians that I would see in there, I thought, where are they why are they not here you see what i'm talking about this is where now we as caymanians have to do our part we can't continue to blame other people to blame the system oh the system isn't working there's nothing available there is stuff available we just are not doing it we're not seeking out these resources oh that's not for us caymanians don't do that we don't take babies to sing-along classes why not Singing and exposing them to music at a young age actually helps to develop other very valuable areas of the brain that will help them with math and other skills later on in life. So it's actually very important. I just feel like our people haven't been educated about these things, so they don't know. So they're easy to discount it. Um, Walton is asking if there is still a structured life skills program in schools. If so, what's the name of it? I do not know Walton. So some of you parents who are listening, you can tell me what does government have in terms of life skills? Um, like I said, I only have a four year old she's not in a government school or anything like that. Uh, Nicole says communication needs to be taught to some parents as well. Hallelujah. Where's my hallelujah button? Definitely, Nicole, because it starts in the homes. That's what I'm telling you. The examples that these kids are finding and are following are based on what they're seeing in homes. So, of course. Um, so yes, Nicole, it appears to me that some of these kids have no clue how to handle a situation without being physical. Once again, that's what they're learning at home. It's more than likely they're being treated rough or bullied at home or in other situations and don't know any better. We need to educate everyone involved with the children. Thank you, Nicole. Nicole. This is why I keep saying to parents, and I know as Caribbean people, um, we believe in beating our children. That's how we were grown up. And, uh, you know, we believe that, um, what's the saying that we use out of the Bible, which has actually been very much misconstrued, Um, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's the saying that we have ingrained in our head. And yet I have not found a single parent who can explain to me, who can take that biblical passage, which is talking about the rod of correction. The Bible doesn't say the rod of beating. It says the rod of correction, right? And explain to me when they have ever seen a sheep. Because this is is an, uh, an analogy situation now where it's giving you a story. Um, You've got the shepherd and the sheep and the rod of correction, right? Where have you ever seen a shepherd use his rod of correction to beat a sheep into submission? It doesn't happen. So in our heads, okay, let me break it down for you, folks. We were pulled out of different areas of Africa, Ghana, South Africa, wherever, We were brought to this part of the world on slave ships hundreds of years ago. Our slave masters beat us into submission. That's what they did. They raped us. They degraded us. They raped our men. They called them, you know, son of a SOB. Look up the history of where that terminology comes from. They beat us into submission. They forced men to sleep with their own mothers in order to produce you know, the strongest, what they thought were going to be strong children to work out in the fields. We were a piece of property to them that only had value up until your ability to produce out there and to earn money for these plantations. Okay. So they taught us certain things. Beating is good. They will whip you with, um, what was the thing called that they whipped you in the back with, Right. They will put physical marks on you so that when other people look at you, they know that you have been subjected to a flogging, to a beating. They publicly beat you because there is, again, that sense of peer influence on you. When you have been made to submit in a very public environment, folks, Um, it, it messes with your psyche. So they played all sorts of mind games with us and, um, you know, they talked about uh, ways in which they could torture and rape and assault or women and children and so on. So out of that, we were also introduced to the Christian religion. You didn't, you were not Christians before you came here, folks. I mean, let's be very, very clear about your history. And so um, there are certain things in the Christian, the good book that was used to justify their actions. So the good book says that I must beat you if I love you or if you're my property, that I can have this level of control over you. Spare the rod and spoil the child is what they've been telling you for hundreds of years. So now you somehow believe that that's actually what the Bible says. But no one can demonstrate and show me where or how a shepherd has ever beat a sheep. The rod of correction is actually a very gentle rod. The shepherd uses the rod as well as other things like the herding dogs to keep his sheep in line and on the right path. Is it ironic how if we just examined that one situation, if we thought about that, how can you be the rod of correction for your own children? Those herding dogs. They could be other people in the community, other people in your schools, these peer counselors that I'm talking about, other children, to help guide and mold your children in the right direction. Your rod of correction does not have to be a physical rod. You do not have to beat your children. You don't have to yell at your children. You don't have to be grabbing your children up. You can raise the most amazing children in the world with kind words, lots of love. Yes, there are times that you have to be firm. But being firm does not mean that you need to be yelling and screaming at your children and tearing them down from the inside out. That's not what the rod of correction is all about. But we have been so misguided over the years that this is exactly what we believe. So Karen says, agree, that's why you teach children to think for themselves and know who they are. Teach them to have strong minds and confidence and therefore no need to fit in and please other people. Karen also says that there are people who should never have children. I agree with that a thousand percent. It's not for everyone. Nicole says that she agrees with mandatory birth control and mandatory counseling For troubled women and men who are parents or becoming parents. Broken parents can also break children. There is a saying, folks, that um, hurt people hurt people. It's actually a book. I'm trying to remember if I actually have the book still. Uh, I may not have it anymore, but I've certainly read it. And um, wait a minute. Is this it here? Maybe not. I can't remember what I'm done with it. I may have given it to someone because I do give away my books a lot. Oh, no, that's Miss Mary's book that I have up here. Yes, but there is a book called Hurt People, Hurt People. And um, if you've never read it, folks, you should really check it out. Um, it is an, a wonderful, wonderful book that has a lot of life lessons in it. And it, comes, it brings Nicole's point to the forefront in that if someone is hurting themselves and um, they are um, you know, not whole people, then they themselves become destructive and impact the lives of other people in a very negative way. So Wanda is just reminding us about the call for San Andres. I'll put the flyer up here again in a little bit. Um, Cavell, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Sophia and Jessica are also here for it. Hi, Louis. How are you? Um, Crystal says, we need more sex education classes. Thank you, Crystal. Most teens in Cayman are probably more sexually active than people think. Well, not probably. We can see that that's exactly what's going on. Um, again, we don't want to talk about sex because of the Bible, but yet everybody's having it. Everybody's doing it, including our teens. And so absolutely, Crystal, that should be, um, from middle, from elementary school Age appropriate classes, including uh, teaching children how to protect themselves from predators, such as this alleged predator who has been touching and filling up a little girl, allegedly not yet convicted, just arrested. Allegation from the time that she was seven years old. He has been touching her and grooming her for more to come. And at the age of 11, it was escalating where he was starting to get on top of her. Folks, protect your children. Educate them. Schools have an obligation, in my opinion, to educate our children and to make these programs available to them. Um, So, yes, that is necessary. Um, Cooking classes. Do you guys have cooking classes here in schools? I think there's a home ec program. But yes, cooking classes, hairdressing, DJing, IT classes, there's so many things that your children can get involved in. And there's a lot of projects that you as parents can also do at home. My little daughter loves arts and crafts. She's always talking mommy, I wanna do arts and crafts. And for her, that just means cutting up something and sticking glue on it and a little bit of glitter, not complicated stuff, but there are a lot of online resources. YouTube is your friend for home projects, folks. Things to do with the kids, just go on YouTube. It's all there. You can make gingerbread houses for Christmas. You can, you know, it takes time. I understand that all of us are short on time. It does take time. But there's no excuse for why your children have nothing to do. Um... Sharon says that people we have working with our children clearly only care about their paychecks. Well, here's the thing, uh, Sharon, I wanna address that. Um, one of the reasons um, that, um, that um, sorry, I've just got someone who said that I can get in to see the eye doctor this morning just to have this eye checked out. If it's nothing more than I need more rest, that's fine, but I just want to make sure. Um, you know what, uh, Shan? Again, this is a failing on us as Caymanians. So we go out there and hire some of the least qualified people in the world to be helpers. Let's, let us think about this for a minute. They don't know how to barely clean our houses. They might know how to sweep and mop. Some of them can't even do that. Been mopping with dirty water. Uh, They don't know how to disinfect anything, right? Out of sight, out of mind. So you look up above eye level, full of dust. They don't even get, I'm always surprised at how helpers can't even use common sense. And I'm not trying to insult anybody. But you would think that when you go into a room, you dust and you clean from the top down, right? So you do like your fans first, cupboards, whatever, and you bring it down. You bring down the dust. And then you do the floor. I see people coming in and doing like surface cleaning and then they're mopping the floor. I'm like, did you clean the ceiling fan? Because I got months of dust on that. You know, so it's like we think that we can hire these same people to help raise our children and we are going to get an end product that is a quality product. What is wrong with us is the question. Uh, That's a whole other topic, Sharon, but trust me, we are not doing a very good job in a lot of different ways. I have never understood. And then on top of that, we will hire people from countries like Jamaica and maybe even the Philippines. I don't think a lot of Cayman's are really using Filipino helpers yet, but some are starting to. And then we will say things like, oh, I don't like those people. They're this and that, blah, blah, blah. So on top of people not necessarily being qualified, we turn around and treat them like shit. Less than. And we hand on a silver platter our most precious commodity, which is our children, to the same people that under your breath You're going to be saying stuff about, which your children hear, by the way, and the helpers probably hear and know it as well. So tell me again how well that's going to work out for us. Well, take a look around, folks. It has not worked out well at all. So am I surprised when you say that they only want a paycheck? No, because they're getting minimum wage. Some of them are being overworked. They're being expected to, to look after three, four children for $6 an hour. And you think that you're going to get a quality result. Irvlyn likes the peer counselor program. I'm telling you, it works in the same psychological way. Peer pressure works. It's cool to be good in certain environments. In the Asian culture, for example, There's a lot of community and peer pressure to excel. And you have to live up to certain standards academically. You don't live as an Asian person traditionally. And this is just how their cultures are. You do not live your life for yourself. You live your life for your parents to make your parents proud. Because then that elevates them within the community. And that makes everyone in the community proud. It's a totally different mindset, folks, that uh, maybe we need to adopt as Caribbean people. Flashpoint says that most people don't understand the work involved in raising children in these challenging times. And my observation is that too many parents have mostly given up their responsibility. Where's, where's my, um, where is my... Praise the Lord! Yes. Thank you. Flashpoint. Absolutely agree with you a thousand percent. And I also agree the struggle, agree with the struggles of, yes, you're trying to work and make a living for the family and you're trying to give them some minimal comforts in life. And you know what? That's why I only have one child. If I was younger, I might've had two, but that's it. You can't afford more than two. Why are you guys going out there having four or five children that you cannot find the time to spend individual time with each child it's unfair it is absolutely unfair to your children Sophia says yes this is why parents need to step up more because the schools can only do so much again I could not agree more Sharon Sophia my apologies So Sharon says there are math experts here that they want you to pay for. Sharon, I'm telling you, there is a way around that. Um, You know, Karen admits that she's mathematically challenged. And so she uh, sacrifices a portion of her salary to pay for extra help for her kids. And she's trying to be a responsible parent. Well, I'm mathematically challenged too. Give me a calculator and I can do it. But, you know, I didn't really ever enjoy math. I mean, I was in honors level algebra sitting there thinking high school, oh my God, why am I here? What's the end game with this math, with this algebra? I must turn around and then go to trigonometry after this? Lord, at trigonometry, I was like, uh-uh, 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 please, no, 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 no. So I think there are some of us who honestly are hardwired very, very differently. I am a language person, you know? Law. Give me a law book and I'm in my I'm in heaven. I want to read. That's why I was an English major. I was not a math major. I was an English major. Give me words and I will eat up words. Right? Communications minor. Politics. Political science. Those are my areas of interest. Yes, in high school I had to do the math. I had to do Algebra 1 in university. Unfortunately for me, I hated it. Uh, when it came to my second term to do algebra, I was like, uh, uh-uh. is there some other option, please? And my counselor actually said to me, yes, there actually is in college. You get choices. You don't have to do algebra too. You can do Latin and Greek root words. And I was like, what, what is that? It's a whole class that teaches you all of the Latin and Greek words that are out there and it counts as a math credit. And I thought to myself, Wow. Something with words that counts as a math credit? This is amazing. I love the idea. Little did I know. (laughs) It was a very interesting class. Let's put it that way. It was a huge auditorium class, hundreds of people. And you know what it was? Um, A lot of people take it who are going to be in the medical profession. So it was still very much linked to like the sciences and math. I just didn't know it because it had the word words in the titles, I'm thinking, oh, Latin and Greek root words sounds pretty cool. That sounds like that should be under the English program. Well, it wasn't. It was on the other side of campus for a reason. But I still enjoyed it. And um, it had a lot of very useful stuff. So it's like where you know, for example, um, what the word hydro means. And every single time you hear the word, um, you know, any word attached to that, like you can break down a word and know what it means. Like say for example, the Greek word bio, right? It means life. So anything that has the word bio in it, you can then figure it out. So if I see the word autobiography and I've never seen that word before, but I can pull out the Latin and Greek root words. I can pull out auto, I know what auto means and I can put out bio, then I can figure out what an autobiography means. Biology, I can pull out the bio. Chronology, chronological. If I know what the word micro means, and I know what the word cosm means, I can take out microcosm, and I know what it means. Even if I've never seen a word before, because of my having taken this class, and trust me, The problem is there is an extensive list of Latin and um, Latin and uh, Greek root words. So this class, you actually went through all of them in their origins. And like I said, I had no idea that this thing even existed, that there was such a thing. It's really, really interesting in case you're, in case you're inclined <laughs> to look it up. So say, for example, um, the word, um, the, the, the root, um, acer, means bitter or pungent or sharp or sour, right? That's a Latin word. So then you put that into something like acrimony, acrimonious, and you know moni and monious. You can go, oh, I know what acrimonious means acidic you know acu means sharp so think about words like acupuncture acute and uh it was a great opportunity for people in the medical profession like i said pre-med students were really really um very much into that and i took the class and it was such an eye opener for me to this day. It was one of the most interesting classes that I took in my university experience. It's like when I took a class in logic, they actually have classes in logic, folks. And you'd be surprised that there is a logical way to logic. I know that sounds crazy, but um, so, yeah, you know, that taught me like, wow, this is how you look at a lot. This is how you. There's an argument to this. This is how it works. And so that helps with you building cases. Like if you were a lawyer, how do you get from A to Z with a jury? You walk them through some logical steps. You put holes in the argument of your opponent. Ms. Darlene says from her experience as a soccer and basketball mom, I see too many parents using these outlets to act as their children's babysitters. They drop them off as if moms like myself were looking out for their kids. Not good. And thank you, Darlene, for mentioning the importance of other activities like soccer, basketball, netball. Physical activities, folks, are very, very important for your children. It helps them to build. Te- they understand how to be part of a team. Even if it's a. Uh, Sport like squash. We heard Alric Lindsay some months ago talking about how he had an opportunity um, to get involved in a squash program here in the Cayman Islands. And that involvement meant that, um, you know, he was willing to then, he was able to then have exposure to people who he otherwise would not have had exposure to. But he also learned a lot on the squash court how to give your ball Give the ball to your partner. Allow them to go for it. How to think on your feet. You know, you get exposure to other types of people in life. It's important that these types of things happen. I'm always surprised that Caymanian children who have never been out to a proper restaurant, don't know how to use a knife and fork. They've never, um, you know, been to uh, a friend's house who just happens to be from somewhere else in the world so that they can learn things about other cultures and other people. There are just so many things I feel like, you know, we are missing out on. I, I agree with Darlene that again, this laziness and parenting that Flashpoint was talking about extends much further. So, Rovina says that um, it's a lot. There's a lot of different ways that you can parent. You can raise up your child, not beating them up. You can punish them um, with what they like, and at the same time, sit down with them and talk to them. That's the key, I think, that is missing from a lot of parents when they try to discipline their children. They don't have the conversations about why, and to help children at their level to understand why this isn't right. So it's sad, but these are a lot of the things that are, are being um, added to the lives and complicated lives of our children, why they are acting out in school and why we're sitting here talking about 27 fights in one week. I was like, how is that even possible? They must not have time to do anything else at that school right now. Sophia says, bake cupcakes. Well, my daughter has a sweet suit girl, so she's all up for anything baking that she thinks is going to be delicious afterwards. She's like, oh, can I lick the bowl now? And you have to teach her cookie dough bowl, we cannot lick. Brownies, yes. Cupcakes, yes. (laughs) But uh, we can't lick certain things. But yes, even teaching her how to measure, okay, this is a cup, this is a teaspoon. You know, she's already into, she always wants my mixing bowl because she wants to do um, her, what does she call it? Her, um, there's an exact word. Not. She doesn't say concoction. Her, um, oh God, what is the word that she uses for it? But there's a word that she uses for her formulas and whatever. So she's always wanting to mix, potion, that's the word. So a four-year-old, she's been saying this since she was three actually, wants to mix her potion. And so she wants to get the big mixing bowl. And she's like, okay, mommy, I need um, food coloring. I need borax. The first day she asked me for borax, I was like, what? You need what? How do you know about borax? You know, she's sitting down watching a YouTube video where they're making stuff, slime, and you have to put borax in it. and And so she's there. I want food coloring. I want borax. I'm like, okay, we don't have any borax around here. But let me give you flour as your substitute. And you can do your little pace with the food coloring. So she loves that sort of stuff. There's just so much you can do. And I'm not sitting here telling you that I'm a perfect parent or that I feel like I still don't spend enough time with my daughter because everybody's so busy. She's in school during the day. When she comes home in the evening, it's like she is growing up in a two-parent household. But still, I feel like there's so much more that we could be doing, but we are trying. Flashpoint wonders about the pandemic and how it's impacted your children mental health. I think it has. And that is probably why we need more counseling available on a regular basis. But let me ask you guys something. How many school counselors do we have available in our schools? I know that if you need someone like a speech therapist or a physiotherapist, for a rich of a country as we supposedly are, there is a significant waiting list for those children to be able to get into any of those programs. So why is that the case, folks? Why do you new know, why do we not have more of that? You know why? Because we are willing to pay on the back end. Or uh, programs and services to try to fix the issue, to try to fix our families, to get them into NAU programs and so on, instead of doing it as a preventative measure. Why is that? Prevention, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. And yet we're not spending a whole lot of resources on the prevention programs. This now becomes a governmental issue. Government has to contribute to this. So government sees the issues, they see the social fallout, but they are still not investing in the upfront programs. That's kind of sad. Ervlin says, you see, this is a time when most of them should be on here learning a thing or two. And where are they not interested? Bet if it was about people's business, you would have a thousand views. People wake up. As always, Ervlin. As always. Ay, ay, ay. What can I say? Um, let's, uh, we're going to shift gears here in a little bit, but I, I think that we need to have more of these types of conversations, to be honest. Louise says the wealth of a country is in their investment in their youth. So is Cayman really a wealthy country? No, if that's the, if that is the litmus test, that is the, uh, poll that we're going to use here, the benchmark the answer would have to be an unequivocal. Nope, None at all. We are not doing the best job. I've given the government some suggestions today. Uh, don't forget the teen court program. That's another one that I have suggested for many years, government, take the ideas and run with them. Teen court. This is what else I put in the article from last night show prison visits, scare them straight regular motivational guest speakers that students can relate to, peer counseling, peer support groups within the schools, all of these programs um, I think should be available. Now let's talk about how Caymanians are being disenfranchised otherwise. The fishermen in our communities, folks. Let's talk about this because this is really getting under my skin. We have a lawsuit that has been filed by a guy by the name of Chris Johnson to remove people from the fish market because he owns that property. Now, let me be very clear here. I do not want to say that if a man owns a piece of property, that we should be encouraging uh, people to think that they can do whatever they want with someone else's property. However, I do have some questions about how this has come about. If the fish market has been there for some 50 something years, which is what we heard from the fishermen at the market, their um, fathers before them, and even in some cases their grandfathers, they were saying were out there um, as fishermen, doing their thing. How can it be? How is it possible then? That Mr. Chris Johnson has managed to acquire this property under the noses of the people. I guess it's always been in private hands and these individuals were just permitted to be out there. There he is. Everyone says, who is this man? I don't know. He owns some company, Chris Johnson and Associates or whatever. He's a developer and businessman. But how did he acquire this property? When and how did he acquire this property is my question. Well, I guess it must have been a private sale. So yes, okay. Um, Government didn't have the foresight back in the day that certain pieces of parcel, certain pieces of land should never be um, privately acquired. They should be for the use and enjoyment of the people of the Cayman Islands, that has not happened. And so now we have a situation where this man is saying, I want you people off my property after all of these years. He has development plans and ideas for his property. And he doesn't want the fishermen there any longer because he wants to make some money out of it. Now, here's a picture that someone has shared of what the area used to look like many, many years ago. Old Cayman, Cayman of yesteryear and how it has been a fishing spot. See the fishing boats and, um, stuff right there. It has been, um, you know, a location that has been used by a lot of different people. Not right next to him is the property of um, Norba Thompson, his son, Cal Thompson. I think Gene Thompson would be his brother. Miss Mary Thompson, who just passed away recently, just last week, in fact. They have the piece of property that's kind of next door to that that has been now developed. Back in the 70s, in the early 70s, this was called Red Spot Dora Bay. And this has always been the area on North Church Street for local fishermen. And now they are looking to, this private owner is looking to remove these individuals from his property. My question is, how did he come to own this property? Certainly he didn't have it in the early 1970s. He probably wasn't even here. But I'm sure now as a Caymanian, he's got you know all the rights to this land. Someone said that this should have been crown land years ago and it's a shame that what is happening now is taking place. And this is my point, I agree 100%. Why wasn't it crown property? Another person, Linda said, where is the National Cultural Foundation on this? They have the remit the government has the remit to claim this piece of land. There is such a thing as compulsory purchasing of land folks. And I think that that is precisely the solution here. Now um, they have offered to purchase this property, from this man, Mr. Johnson. And he has refused, not surprisingly enough, because he thinks at his age he's still gonna make some more millions. And so, um, you know, his refusal is interesting because government in law has the ability to acquire property under compulsory acquisition. Might I suggest to the government, it has to be fair market value. But might I suggest to the government that they now explore their options just like they did with Smith Cove. Remember when the developers by Smith Cove were about to develop all around there and government said, oh, no, after the people protested, of course. Oh, no, let us step in. Government, this is now protecting a piece of our heritage. It is incumbent on you or elected officials to get it together. Make this man an offer for his land. Of course, he's being extra greedy. I'm sure of that. But invoke your compulsory acquisition of the land. Develop it as a national cultural site. And allow the fishermen to remain there. Now, you know, sometimes people get under my skin with their nonsense and this man happens to be one of them because his lawsuit that he filed, I want you guys to hear what I'm about to tell you, because there are times when people insult me with their behavior. And, um, this is one of those cases where this man has insulted me. What he has done, listen to this folks. He has taken um, this lawsuit and put documents in there. I think his lawyers are Broadhurst. And he has said certain things in this lawsuit. I'm gonna just pull it up, give me one second here. That I find to be over the top and ridiculous let us be very clear sir it's your land you said it's your property you're greedy you want to do whatever with it i'm not even going to call you greedy you just want to make more millions whatever yep that's your prerogative that's your choice however is insult the fishermen of this country who are utilizing that location So when you go as far as to do the following, and this is what he has said in his lawsuit. Give me one second. I'm going to pull it back up here. Talk about the fact that these people are operating illegally because they don't have a business license. Now look at where the man gone. Oh, they don't have a trade and business license, he says. Therefore, that is going to... put me at risk really sir how many years have people not been there without trading business license 50 years before you even came here you look like you're over 50 so i can't really say before you were born but at least before you came here they were there and that would mean they were there before the existence of even the trade and business licensing system. So now you want to talk about their acting and operating illegally. Christopher V. Let me tell you, hold on one second. Let me pull up the lawsuit. I got it here. So this was filed in Grand Court on November the 13th. Christopher D. Johnson is suing Charles Morgan Wood, Robert Prentagas, Lindo McGowan, and persons unknown. Because he don't know the names of the other fishermen. And in fact, the writ says here, the writ of summons says that the only person he really knows is the first person Charles Morgan Wood, he doesn't know Mr. Robert or Captain Lindo or anybody else. Now, you guys would have seen the interview that we did with them at the first of the month talking about this situation. So um, he says the plaintiff is and has at all material times been the owner and entitled to the possession of property located opposite 42 North Church Street. When he says he is and has at all material times, what material time are we talking about? Certainly, he wasn't the owner forever. At some point, he acquired it from someone. So when I saw that as the first paragraph of this writ of summons, I thought to myself, that sounds a little weird. So it's undeveloped beachfront parcel. And I really wonder what the hell this man think he can put on this. Oh, it's going to be a private beach. Let's put up some uh, more, what do you call them? um cabanas and and sitting chairs and whatever to be able to charge people you know what government should never in a million years i don't care who owns it allow that beach to be developed into anything they should inform mr johnson from now sir you want to keep the land go ahead and keep it but you'll never be able to do anything with it it is there for the beautification and enjoyment of the public I wonder how quick he'd sell it to them at that point. Oh, I can't do anything with my land. The irony of this is when Norabug Thompson, um, obviously his children at this point, some years ago, were trying to develop that property next door. Who do you think was the main objector? The same man, Chris Johnson. So he was objecting to them doing anything with their parcel, which is. Actually, um, now I forget what's in there, those little buildings and stuff. Oh, he was objecting to all of that. But he did not want nobody to tell him what to do now with his piece. So he has filed the lawsuit and it goes on to say the first defendant is known to the plaintiff. The other defendants, both those named and unnamed, were not known to the plaintiff. On or about October the 20th, 29th, the defendants entered to the property without the licensee's consent. Because you remember now what they have said. is during COVID, the government moved them down, further down, claiming that, oh, they needed more space to spread out and blah, blah, blah. A lot of people are in the opinion that the government was really in on this with Chris and trying to get them off of his property so that now he could make this claim in a court document. You see how he's tried to reset the clock Pay attention, people. Don't make people take you for a fool in legal documents or otherwise. So now he is attempting to reset the clock about, oh, yeah, they've been trespassing since October the 29th, 2020. What about the 50 years that they were there before? So that small break in time, I guess he is now going to argue, is a sufficient break because they may have had permission before but as of October the 29th, they've entered the license premise without the license or consent of the plaintiff and took possession. So now, in other words, he is saying that they are trespassers. He goes on to say that they've erected a tent and table on the property from which they purchase fish, process those fish for sale, and then seek to sell the fish to the general public. This act amounts to a trespass by the defendants and trespass is continuing. Then this is where he insults me to my core, Mr. Chris Johnson. God don't like ugly. And you just went below the belt here. In addition to the trespass, he says, this legal document says, the defendants are in breach of both the Trade and Business Licensing Law 2019 revision and the Public Health Law 2002 revision in that number one, the defendants are engaged in the business of the resale of fish on the property. The defendants do not catch the fish that they seek to sell on the property. What does that have to do with anything? I mean, they're fishermen and they're bringing in the fish and I was like, what they do not possess the requisite trade and business license permitting them to engage in this business. That's his first argument. Really? Sir. This is how low you had to go. Jackass. Then he says, as part of the business of the defendants, the defendants process the fish by cutting them on the wooden table on the property. The property does not contain running water or electricity. There's no bathroom facilities. Dude, really? The defendants who are handling food for the purpose of sale to the public are accordingly committing a statutory nuisance. Hear, hear this one now. This is when you go, boy, you can hear some real foolishness. Statutory nuisance, he says. Pursuant to section 7.2 of the public health law, as well as being... Um, Let me see here. He says, as well as being in violation of the Department of Environmental Health's guidelines for the operation of temporary um, interim food facilities dated May the 13th of 2013. Given the unsanitary conditions, the actions of the defendants is a public health hazard. This is where this man has gone with this. So he's claiming it's a public health hazard. Aye, aye, aye. Here we go. And so now his argument after making those assertions is that, well, if all of this is true, he is suffering a loss. So he continues. He said he's suffered. I I don't see where he's proved that he suffered a loss because there's nothing there that he suffered loss, but he says he has suffered and continues to suffer loss and damages according to him. More particularly the loss of use of the property, damage to the property. How they damaged the property? Okay, that point wasn't made anywhere, but all right. He they just threw that into the mix in the legal documents. And the risk of claims arising from the defendant's unlawful actions on the property. So now he's saying, because you are there on my property acting unlawfully, you don't have a business license. You are handling fish in an unsanitary manner. According to him, that exposes him, the owner of the property to liability. So he's claiming an injunction possession, an order for possession of the property an injunction, restraining the defendants, their servants, agents, or others. Damages, so on and so forth. So, folks, this is what this is where it's at now. It's in court. Yes, my dear child, jackass is the right word for him. Uh, Ed says that that piece of iron shore is below the high water mark line. So, how can he claim it? Well, he can claim it because our government ain't doing nothing to protect the people of the Cayman Islands. That's how he can claim it. They're not enforcing right of ways. Talk to Billy Adams. They're not enforcing the high watermark rule. So they allow people like Mr. Chris Johnson to come in and insult our fishermen who've been there for donkey years talking about they not got a business license. They're working unsanitary conditions. He don't know nothing about them and their fish and what they're doing, I can assure you. Not a person in 50 years has ever purchased any fish from them that has gotten sick as a result of that, Mr. Johnson. They keep the fish on ice. I have sat there and watched them clean it and so on. You might not appreciate where you come from that this is a tradition and this is how people do it. They wash down the surface. I see them doing it all the time. But Mr. Chris, I'm sure has not sat there for all of two minutes before he could go and have his lawyers make these kind of claims. Defamatory reputational claims against people. So folks, this is our beautiful country and land before. Every Tom, Dick and Chris Johnson wanted to make claim on it. There it is, isn't that beautiful? Somebody said in this picture, you can see the old Puritan building. I don't know which one it is, Puritan cleaners. But we will uh, stand by these fishermen. I want to hear what the government has to say about this. Like I said, in my opinion, they can compulsory acquire this land. Once it's fair market value, there's nothing Mr. Chris Johnson can do. Lisa, thank you for sending that document about the National Cultural Foundation. Um... Yeah, I don't know anything about Chris Johnson, to be honest. I don't want to speak to his character. However, um, I think even the way that that lawsuit is drafted and the desperation, the desperate things that they put on it, certainly speaks volumes to the type of person that he would have to be. Folks, uh, today is Friday. May I remind you, please, that there is the bulk cleanup that is starting soon. Mark your calendars. It's already started in the District of East End and Side. You've got until tomorrow. Put your stuff out to the curbside. Please remember there are certain things that do not count in terms of for bulk cleanup, and that includes vehicles. You can't be putting your old derelict vehicle out to the curbside. And think the government is going to put that on the dump truck, on the garbage truck. That doesn't work. Uh, Town starts next week, the 23rd through December the 5th. Georgetown, December 7th through the 12th. And West Bay is the 14th through the 19th. And there's also a pickup for the sister islands as well. So if you live in Brack and Little Cuman, please be mindful um, of those also. So Darlene, Miss Darlene says, this should not be up for questions of government had owned this property, shame, shame, shame. Marshall says, don't worry, make him put something in the first Norwester that comes along. It will undoubtedly show him who's boss. Mother Nature reigns supreme, folks. Don't ever forget it. Every once in a while, she reclaims her land and lets us know, you can think you're a millionaire all you want. I will take everything down on that property. Redo the beach. And in fact, we see um, recently what's happened in Seven Mile Beach in the vicinity of, um, what's the property that Donut, uh, Dot owns there? Um, oh, help me out here. One of those nightclub or coral beaches like back there. Mother Nature has reclaimed that recently in a very interesting and spectacular way the beach has basically disappeared, folks. I got to get out of here. Anyway, we're going to end a little bit early today. I'm going to go to the eye doctor and have them look at this eye and see what Laguan. And uh, not Calico. Um, This is is, uh, West Bay, but it is uh, closer to West Shore Plaza, um, ugh. well, you guys know where I'm talking about, I think. Coral Beach, um, Royal Palms area, like back there, it's like gone. Uh, Morna, like I said, I think he's going to do like lounge chairs and beach towels and so tourists can come and sunbathe on the beach. I don't know. Just ridiculous. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Ervlyn. Thank you, Karen, Anne, Miss Darlene, Marshall, Larry, Tracy, Ed, Flashpoint, Cayman Vlogs, Aliano. Thank you guys so much for your contribution. Crystal, Karen, Sophia, Amanda, please be reminded that there are a lot of persons in need if you can assist these um, communities in any way. I encourage you um, to please go out there. Yeah, maybe I'll take a ride out by the beach today, Aliano. But um, you can contact the group of individuals here. I've put the link in the description of the story about San Andres and how you can contact persons. Sophia, it could very well be. That's exactly what it is, just sleep. So I'll see about getting some rest this weekend. Um, I'm trying to remember what activities we have scheduled for my daughter because, you know, weekends are her fun time. So maybe a beach trip or something might be in store for her weekend, a little drive out um, to East End or something fun for her to do. But yes, you guys have a wonderful and safe weekend, folks. Let's remember, don't drink and drive. Don't uh, risk other people's lives or your own life. On our roadways. I bid you adieu. Shout out to the folks over at Miracle Brokers. Christmas is coming. So get your orders in early, folks. Don't wait around. Get those goods coming in. Um, Thank you, Morna, so much. I want you guys to have an enjoyable weekend. And uh, I shall see you on Monday. God's willing.
0: tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at Road.com. subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings